all believe in something. A god, a higher power, intuition, ourselves, karma. Even believing in the absence of these things is believing in something. It's a part of our human nature. Religion can be an intimidating, uncomfortable, and even an offensive topic, especially when beliefs clash. But it is important. So let's start a conversation about it. In fact, let's start a few conversations about it. I'm Anna Weeks, and this is Religious. In this episode, pastor and Christian studies professor Tim McKnight is joining the conversation to explain why he calls himself a Christ follower and how his life is forever changed because of this title. Dr. McKnight, will you just tell me about yourself? Like, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm Tim McKnight, and I teach full-time at Anderson University. I'm associate professor of missions and youth ministry there. I'm also a pastor at a church called Mosaic. That's a church seeking to reach people from every tribe, tongue, and nation in Anderson. I'm also a husband. My wife, Angela, and I have been married about 26 years, and I've got four kids, so I'm a dad too, so I wear a lot of hats. (laughs) Yeah. What has, what has your spiritual journey looked like throughout the course of your life? And like, more specifically, has it always been a part of your life or did something specifically lead you to it? So I grew up with Christian parents and they took my sister and I to worship from the time that I can remember. There's not been a time that I don't think we've been engaged in the church in some shape, form or fashion because of my parents' influence. And so I grew up learning about Christ and learning about the gospel, but didn't really give my life to Christ until I was 17. And there's that transition, I think, in every person where their parents' faith may be one thing, but then you've got to own your own faith. It's got to be yours. And I think that that happened when I was 17 years old. Went through a pretty rebellious time between the ages of, you know, 12 and 17, a typical teenage angst, that type deal. But, uh, but gave my life to Christ when I was 17 and, and really haven't looked back since. Yeah. You mentioned you're a pastor of a church and you also teach Christian studies at a Christian university. So your faith is obviously a huge part of your life. Why are you so passionate about it? And why did you pursue this specific career path? I think the probably the most straightforward answer to why I'm most passionate about it is if Jesus really claimed to be, if Jesus really is who he claimed to be, then I need to be telling people about him. Because if he really is God and he really did come so that people could have their sins forgiven so they could conquer death, uh, hell and the grave, then that's some, that's good news that I need to talk to people about. So if, if, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, if he really isn't alive and and confirm that he is who he says he was through the resurrection. If he's not, you know, uh, if he didn't ascend, and he's not returning um, to claim the church, then then really my face in vain. If there's no resurrection, then I, I got nothing. But I believe that the grave is empty, and I believe that there's not been a body produced for over 2,000 years, uh, not to mention all the eyewitness testimony. And 
secular or Christian sources of history that confirm this person named Jesus was crucified and there's not been a body produced. So if I really do believe that's true, then it behooves me to, to share that story with people that I encounter on a daily basis. Mm. Were you, let's talk about your call to, to pastoring and, and pursuing that. What, what did that process look like for you? So I felt the call to pastor or to be in ministry right out of high school, but I didn't feel worthy of the call. I was working at an interdenominational wilderness camp and had been teaching the, the kids Bible stories. And they would come back to me and tell me, hey, Tim, when you, when you talk to us about these stories, they come to life for us and we understand the Bible in a way that we haven't before. And so I knew that God was kind of using me in the life of these students and, and had a sense of gratification there and knew that that was something that I, I really got fulfillment from. And was reading my Bible, having some devotional time and prayer by the lake uh, one morning. And the Lord used the last chapter in John's gospel with the restoration of Peter to start drawing me into a call to ministry. Uh, But I didn't feel worthy of that call, so I kind of ran from it until I was a junior in uh, college. And so about two years I ran from the call. And finally, uh, my junior year, I transferred to a Baptist college in Virginia called Bluefield College. I was a law enforcement major. And... I was having my uh, devotional time on November 18th, 1991, and the Lord just kind of broke me down and uh, really uh, showed me that I'd been running <laughs> from from that call and that I needed to be obedient. So, so I surrendered to call to ministry then, and it was kind of I was kind of a little reluctant, <laughs> reluctant surrender. So, but uh, but I haven't regretted that decision. Yeah, you talk about surrender. Um, are there specific things that you had to give up for this calling and for Jesus? I think that, you know, one of the first things when I surrendered to call the ministry, if you go into ministry, most people who are in the ministry are not going to be wealthy folks. I, I know that we have the caricature in this country of the televangelist or, you know, the mega church preacher that is just making a whole lot of money. But most people who are in ministry, that's not going to be the case. And so if you answer a call to ministry, you know, you know pretty well from the beginning that it's not going to be a call to some sort of earthly wealth that, that you're, you're probably going to, um, the Lord will provide for your needs, but you're probably not going to get everything that you want in life. When looking at world religions as a whole, Christianity represents about like 31%. The last time I checked of the world's population, and that's followed by Muslims and non-religious people. But it's grouped in the Big Five, which is a list of the largest religious movements. Um, so why do you think Christianity is so popular? Or would you argue that it's not? Yeah, I really think that it comes down to kind of what I mentioned previously. You know, the, the resurrection is the foundation for the Christian faith. And the Apostle Paul again says, if there is no resurrection, then our faith is in vain. And we're to be pitied above all men. And so I think that the reason why we have Christians goes all the way back to the early church, that you had a group of women that went to anoint the body of Jesus. And when they went to the tomb, it was empty. And uh, they, there was an angel there who said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. So they, 
They run back to the disciples who are hiding in the upper room because they're scared they're going to get persecuted and killed like Jesus did. And they give the story of the resurrection. Well, um, the men don't believe these women and they have to come see for themselves. So, um, you know, Peter and John go running and, uh, and they see that the tomb was empty. And so, um, so I think that that, that the resurrection and empty tomb really formed the foundation for the Christian faith. And that story has been, it hasn't changed. It's the same story that, uh, since the first account and the first observation of that, that miracle, uh, it's been the same story that's been told, uh, over 2000 years. How does Christianity specifically differ from other religions? The resurrection, um, is one thing. And when we look at the three persons of the Trinity, that that's a distinctive of the Christian faith with God being in three persons, father, son, and Holy spirit, which by the way, if you get anybody who says they can uh, explain that, you probably don't want to listen to them, <laughs> 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 but, uh, because it is a faith, it is a faith movement, um, yeah. but it is in scripture as well. And so, so I think that's a distinctive. Another distinctive is that, we are brought to a relationship with God, not because of things that we do, but we are brought to a relationship with God because of what God did for us through Christ Jesus. And so every major religion that I know of, and even worldview that I can think of, they're based upon what the individual does to gain access to God or to find truth. And Christianity is based upon acts that have already been completed by the person of Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life in our place that we can't live, that he died a death that we deserve as our substitute. And so Christ living that life on our behalf to satisfy God's demand for perfection and Christ dying a death that we deserve to satisfy God's demand for justice. And both of those acts, most of the, we call it in Christianity, the active obedience and passive obedience of Jesus. His obedience covers our disobedience. And so our faith is in what he has already done rather than things that we do in order to gain favor with God because we just can't. I feel like the word Christian is a very popular word um, and it's sometimes thrown around a lot, but in your opinion, what does it mean to be a Christian? So Christian came from, it was actually a derogatory term initially that people used who did not like Christ followers to call them, you know, they're little Christ. They, these little Christians, it means literally means little Christ. And the Christians kind of liked that term. And so they said, yeah, that's actually what we're trying to do. We're trying to be like Jesus. But, you know, I do think there's been some baggage that has gone along with Christian and so when I refer to myself, I usually tell people I'm a follower of Jesus or a Christ follower. And, and um, that usually gets some questions when I, when I say that. What, what does that look like? And it really looks like uh, what, how it sounds. You know, is it's a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I follow his teachings. I follow his teaching in Scripture. I seek to follow his life and seek to emulate him in my life. And so... Uh, I think that's something that's an explanation most people can wrap their head around. Let's let's move to morals now. What morals are important to you and how did you develop your moral framework? 
Yeah, so I think the core of morality actually lies within the heart. And many times people try to address behavior, but you can't really address address behavior until you address the heart first because the heart is the the heart provides the motivation or if you would use the term will, our wills provide the motivation for our behavior. And so my behavior is not going to change unless my heart changes. And Christianity teaches that we are born in sin, that our nature is to do things that go against God and really ultimately to put ourselves in the control seat of our life uh, to, to pretty much worship ourselves rather than God. And that nature impacts everything that I do. And until that I have a new nature, until my heart changes, that's going to impact what I do. Now, it doesn't mean that I might not um, avoid certain immoral things. You know, I can be someone who's not a Christ follower and not kill somebody. Or I could be someone who's not a Christ follower and not steal. So it doesn't mean that, you know, that I'm going to do everything possibly that I could do that's not good. But, but what it does mean is that my natural inclination is just to serve myself. And so until I come to Christ, I really don't want to serve God. I really don't want to worship God. I want to worship myself. And so that, that issue of my will forms really the, the foundation for how I see morality. And so if I was going to look at morality, first I'd look at the issue of the will being changed. But then secondly, am I going to be obedient? Am I going to be obedient to the incarnate word of God, who is Jesus? And then am I going to be obedient to the written word of God, which is the scripture, the Bible? And so for me, morality is described in scripture and as I look at scripture, I can see uh, what is right and what is wrong, but my willingness to do that or my motivation to do that really stems from the fact that God has changed my heart. And so my desire is not to serve myself, but to serve him uh, through what I know about him and his word. Would you call yourself a good person? No, I would not. Uh, I think at the core that um, I am sinful like anybody else but I would say that Christ has changed me. And so I'm a new person um, that anything that is good in me is, it comes from Christ. Anything that is good in me, in me comes from the Holy spirit indwelling me. Uh, but, but by nature at, at the core, I'm not a good person at the core, but Christ has changed my life. And so when he changed my life, he changed my will. And so if there's anything that is good in me, it's in Christ. It's from Christ. A lot of religions, they have specific rules and specific practices and lots of specifics that go into it and make up um, who they worship and what they do. Being a Christian, do you have to follow any specific rules? And what happens if you like slip up and break them? Yeah, it's, you know, Christianity is not a performance-based religion. So, my faith is based upon what Christ has done. And because of what Christ, Christ has done, I seek to emulate him and, and imitate him. So, you know, and I'm going to fall short of that, this side of heaven. I'm not going to reach perfection by any means, but as a Christ follower, I have the Holy spirit indwelling me and he, his job is to make me more like Jesus as long as I live on this planet. And so one way that I know that I have a relationship with Christ 
is the Holy Spirit working in me to make me look more like Jesus and more like how he would, how he would act, what he would think, what he would say and those things. I know I'll never reach perfection this side of heaven, uh, but I know that I'm being perfected by the Holy Spirit working in me. So, so it's, it's not a sense of, yes, I'm going to do these things perfectly and check these boxes and I'll get God's approval. Uh, I I'm hopeless if that's the approach to God. But what Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so I don't come to God and enter into a relationship with God based upon my works. I come based upon the work of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that we're, we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And so, so my boast is not in my works. My boast is in the work of Christ Jesus. And, and I'm saved by God's grace through Christ's work. Do you believe you have a sense of purpose and reason for why you're here on earth? Absolutely. And I think that that's an important question because every worldview has to answer four questions. The first question is a question of origin. Where did I come from? The second question is a question that you just asked of meaning and purpose. Why am I here? The third question you just asked about was question of morality. How do I know right from wrong? And then the fourth question is, how do I deal with death and suffering? And so those are four questions everyone has to ask. So the second question that you asked is about purpose. And I jokingly tell students, they'll come to me and say, I, I don't know what God's will is for my life. And I'll say, well, I know exactly what God's will is for your life. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah God wants you to love him with your, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. And so for me, as I look at my purpose in this life, I'm on this planet to worship God, to love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm on this planet to love my neighbor as myself. And those are the two greatest commandments. They're summed up in Christ. Um, they're summed up in, in the personal work of Jesus. And so, so, so my life has purpose in that way. And that's something I think that Christ followers have that many people don't have is this idea of, of knowing exactly why they're created and why they're here on the planet. You mentioned earlier about how your relationship with Christ and knowing Christ has, has made you a new person. And what's, what are some or one of the biggest ways that your life has changed since following Christ? I think really it just comes down to what do I want to do? Before I came to Christ, I just wanted to serve myself. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And then after I came to Christ, suddenly in this equation was, what does God want me to do? How does God want me to live? That, that question never crossed my mind before I came to Christ. I had no concern over what God wanted me to do or how God wanted me to live. And so, so coming to Christ, that question now is, is very much the focus what does God want me to do? What's his will for my life? How would he have me speak in this situation? How would he have me think? What would he have me do? Those, those questions are now primary. Is there anything about your belief system specifically that we haven't talked about that you would like to share or want to touch on? Yeah, I think one of the big things, when we talk about grace and mercy, I use those two words. You know, grace is getting something I don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what I do deserve. And we have both of those in Christ that, that when I come to Christ, I, I get his forgiveness. I get life. 
I get new birth. I, I become a new person. Uh, I get what they call eternal life in scripture and Jesus defined it. He said, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, your son, whom you sent. So I get a relationship with God through Christ. So I have a relationship with my creator through the grace of Jesus Christ. But I also have mercy that mercy is not getting what I do deserve. I deserve to be condemned. I deserve all those things because I have, um, I have affronted an infinite being who is God. His commands are infinitely heavy for me to go against them is an infinite affront. And so God shows me his mercy by forgiving me and not just forgiving me, but, but making me clean and, and taking my sin upon himself and paying the debt for my sin. And it's a debt that I, I should have paid, but I had no, no way to pay it. And so Christ did that on my behalf. And, and I think those are two things that, that I didn't mention that I think are significant to to the faith of believers, of Christ followers. Thank you again so much, Dr. McKnight, for being a part of this ongoing conversation on religion and just articulating your beliefs um, and your passions for, for Christ and following him so clearly. I I mentioned before the goal of this podcast is just to start conversations and inform people on different worldviews and encourage them to have conversations of their own. Is there any advice you would give for listeners seeking answers within religion? Sure. I would say when you're having those conversations from a, a Christian perspective, Peter says in, in 1 Peter three fifteen, he says, always give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. And all the Christians, you know, they start cheering and going, yes, you know, because it's, it's where we get the term apologetics from. And, you know, you think about debates with people of other faiths. But it doesn't stop there. The verse says, always give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. But then it says, but do so with gentleness and respect. And so I think that as we from different worldviews talk to each other, as a Christ follower, one of the big things I want to do is listen and show gentleness and respect in those conversations. I don't want to get into arguments. I definitely don't want to get angry with someone. I want to show them uh, respect and be gentle in my spirit and show the love of Christ to them as I'm talking to them. And I think that that's the most productive way to have these conversations. Every major religion believes they have the truth. And so this, these coexist bumper stickers uh, that, that have all the major religious symbols, they obviously didn't consult the people who, who, rep, who are represented by those symbols it's because, because the Muslims believe that Allah, there is no God, but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. That's the confession. Uh, Jews believe in the God of the Old Testament. Christians believe that Jesus is God. And so we have exclusive truth claims, all of us do, and and only one can be true if we do believe that there is absolute truth. And so having those conversations, knowing that we're pursuing truth, you know, for me as a Christ follower, I believe that if someone is genuinely seeking truth, that they will find it. And, and they will find it, in my opinion, through Christ Jesus. But the only way they can do that is through the gospel, is through the, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, um, so that's my posture when I talk to people. And in the back of my mind, uh, I'm confident in the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives uh, to, to show them truth. And then it's their choice to either reject the truth or accept the truth.
Thanks so much for listening. More than anything, I hope this left you with more questions about your own faith journey and a burning desire to find the answers. If you want to continue the conversation or have specific questions you'd like to ask, please don't hesitate to reach out to either myself or today's guest. Our socials will be in the description and we'd love to hear from you. 